Hello, all ye travel and global mobility professionals. I am your host, Ray Rackham, and let's get ready to explore the open world. But who am I and where do I come from? Well, a qualified solicitor with over 25 years experience working within international relations, law and financial services, I am now the Senior Vice President of Thought Leadership, Advocacy and Public Policy at CIBT Newland Chase. We are the leading global provider of immigration and visa services for corporations and individuals alike. With over 1,900 expert immigration and visa professionals, attorneys and qualified migration consultants, we're located in over 60 offices in 27 countries. With 30 years of experience, we are the primary service provider to 75% of Fortune 500 companies. We offer a comprehensive suite of services under two primary brands, Newland Chase, focused on global immigration strategy and corporate advisory services, and CIBT Visas, the market leader for business and other travel visa services. Our vision is to simplify the journey, to bridge people, cultures and businesses, and to open the world. Hence, the Open World Podcast. Now, we find ourselves at episode three of this new and hopefully exciting and informative podcast, and I find myself 3,674 miles away from our recording studio on the banks of the River Thames in London, and today in a recording studio overlooking the White House in Washington, D.C. Yes, listeners, I have packed up my troubles and travelled across the Atlantic. And later today, President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will light the national Christmas tree. For the historians among us, this is a tradition that started over a century ago, first celebrated by then-President Calvin Coolidge. So, on the day of 101st National Christmas Tree Lighting, let the holiday season begin. But before we submit ourselves to the dulcet tones of Mariah Carey and Michael Bublé and don our Christmas sweaters, I wanted to continue our series of Advocacy in Action. In episode two, you may recall I spent some time with Jill Gordon, chair of the Permits Foundation, to discuss how Jill and her board members advocate for worker rights for family members of highly skilled migrants. It was a fascinating discussion and I have been, well, truly astounded by the response of our listeners interested in finding out more and supporting the Permits Foundation in the work that they do. But advocacy takes many forms and many different routes in the ecosystem of travel and mobility. And today's guest typifies what an incredible success can look like in advocating for and on behalf of the travel industry. Yes, listeners, it's time for the drum roll. Because today, in Washington, D.C., I am joined by Shane Downey. Shane is the Vice President of Government Relations at the Global Business Travel Association, the voice of the $1.4 trillion business travel industry. The GBTA is the world's largest organisation, representing and actively advocating for the sector. 
and counts among its members more than 9,000 business travel professionals across six different continents. In addition to serving as the association's lead lobbyist in DC, Shane oversees volunteer engagement for GBTA, as well as heading on GBTA's efforts in the European Union. Prior to joining GBTA, Shane was a senior associate in a DC-based lobbying firm, having previously worked on several congressional campaigns. An alumni of the Ohio State University, Shane also served in the United States Marine Corps and is a Desert Storm veteran. Shane, it's an absolute honor to have you join the Open World Podcast today. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here and talking with you today. Now, I have to say this because Shane is far too polite, but this has happened in a bit of a whirlwind. (laughs) I was sitting on the tarmac at Heathrow Airport two days ago and emailed Shane saying something along the lines of, hey, I'm going to be in D.C., Uh, let's talk. I'll find a recording studio, fully expecting Shane to say, what, tomorrow? Are, Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? But you really graciously agreed to move things around and come and join me today. Well, you know, in my head, it definitely was a no. Um, <laughs> but really excited to be here with you on this really historic Christmas tree lighting day. <laughs> the most historic day of the Christmas <laughs> right. calendar in D.C. So let's get down to business. Um, Shay, could you give me a bit of a flavor as to your role in GBTA? Sure. So... Essentially, I'm the lead lobbyist for the association. Go up and meet with members of Congress. We go to Brussels and and meet with the commission, the council, the parliament. We talk with the elected officials in Ottawa, help set the policies for the association and the government relations world and how we're going to move forward on advancing the goals and needs of the business travel industry through our government actions. An industry that is $1.4 trillion industry. That is often overlooked. Absolutely. Now, we have at the GBTA the Legislative Advisory Council. Why was it set up and what is its purpose? So I started in the association in 2006. Right. Uh, Lifetime ago. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm 20. Um, It was actually in the National Business Travel Association bylaws at the time. But what the idea was, we have a good grasp of the industry, but we don't live and breathe the intricacies of the managed travel world, of the business travel world. And so we need experts, and the membership are the experts in this field to help steer us in advocating for the right policies to go forward or to raise issues that they're seeing coming up in their day-to-day issues, like the name. It is an advisory group. You know, we're bringing ideas to them, they're bringing ideas to us, and then we're helping to implement the entire legislative agenda. So it's made up of GBTA members who are particular experts in different parts of the travel ecosystem. That is correct. And a council that counsels, which uh, I think is just an incredible thing to have set up. How long has the legislative... Advisory Council being in place? At least since 2006. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> members can come and join and then new members come. That, come that is correct, yeah. The council of the council yes. changes mm-hmm. with the different makeup mm-hmm. of members. I attended in June, I think, of this year, what I can only describe as a fantastic three-day kind of legislative summit in D.C., 
where members of GBTA spent some time with members of Congress, talked about sustainability. Can you explain what was the thinking of setting up these legislative summits? Yeah, it's so important to, again, have experts, the people that live and breathe the day-to-day job to come and speak to elected officials and to talk about their experiences and how particular regulations or laws or or policies will positively impact them or Mm. negatively impact them. And so bringing them in, it brings it back home to the elected officials that these aren't just high-paid not in my case, uh, <laughs> you know, lobbyists or agencies. These are these are issues that impact their people back home and the businesses that they represent back home in their areas that they were put forth to represent. What I found really interesting about it was the elected representatives were really keen to listen to GBTA membership. It wasn't a lip service. Actually, really good conversations were being had around the Hill. Right. Well, in the U.S., look, we're a representative government, and these people are voted to represent the people back home. They're constituents. They're constituents, and they have a vested interest in listening to what their constituents are saying back home. And that really, in the U.S., that was the big driving point of it. It's like, we can can do as much as we can and, and have been successful on the Hill, but that extra constituent engagement, that can help us get over the top on some of these issues. Like the power of collective advocacy. Correct. From an industry that generates enormous revenue. Yes. There is a lot of activity in the USA, and I think my voice and accent cannot be hidden here. I was an observer for the legislative summit and was absolutely knocked out by the work that the GBTA and the actual membership was doing on the Hill. But how does the Legislative Advisory Council contribute to advocacy in other countries and regions? Right. So, you know, as an association, we generally have three principles, three pillars that we're advocating for. It's passenger facilitation. That's making sure that the traveler gets to where they need to get to seamlessly and effortlessly as possible having an infrastructure that meets their needs of the business travel industry. And that traditionally was physical infrastructure. And then the sustainable business travel model. How do we continue to travel on a more purposeful level? And so you take those sort of three global policy initiatives, but we also want to make sure that we're speaking in each region with the local voice. And so what we try and do is when we came up with those three items and looked at, in addition to the sustainable travel, it was coming more and more online, uh, and we're seeing more and more challenges with problems that our members were facing and how to calculate emissions, items like that. And then, with, like I said, with the digital transformation on the infrastructure, how do we do that? So that's where you see all the different groups. So in the, the U.S., we have the Legislative Advisory Council in Europe and Canada and the different regions, we have their advisory boards. They all come together to help us get to those three policies. And then we work then with the individual countries to try and move it along. The collective comes up, forms the broader policy, and then the individuals come together on a consistent basis 
for business travel so we don't have different regions coming out and saying different competing competing ideas. And I think it's just fascinating that the GBTA government relations work is informed by the individual membership to drive and define and change the policy. So I'm sure like sustainability has been something that is increasingly important. And then once the policy is determined within GBTA, it then goes back to the global membership to help support. So inform and support is something that I think it's a very different form of advocacy. And for our listeners, I think it's a fascinating thing for them to get involved with because it really does change the world. So thinking about the USA for a while, there's a lot of activity in the travel world. But let's spend some time exploring these. Part of the uh, June Legislative Summit was discussing something called Mm pre-clearance for visitors to the USA. And as an immigration and travel uh, visa nerd, that was the thing that really got my motor running. So what is pre-clearance? Sure. (laughs) Part, Part of the legislative summit was going up and explaining to members of Congress and their staff what pre-clearance is. Always kind of blows my mind, but that's (laughs) kind of where we are in the world. The idea of pre-clearance and and the application of pre-clearance is for incoming travel into the U.S. and to essentially pre-vet the traveler before they get onto the plane so that it's clear that that they're a safe individual and should be allowed into the into the US. The benefits of it is it helps remove that those lengthy cues when you're arriving after a long flight and say something's wrong. Say say there's a problem with your passport, say there's an individual you don't have to go back because you haven't been there already. And from a safety perspective, it's a better vetting of individuals so that they have a better idea of who's on the on the plane when they're coming over. So there are 18 pre-clearance airports set up around the world. And what we were looking for was an expansion of airports that could do pre-clearance. It's a difficult thing. There are a lot of security challenges. There are agreements that have to be made between the countries and the airports. But we wanted to show that there was support for increasing the number of airports that, that have this because of the removal of what we call the friction of travel. Absolutely. And the way in which preclearance can support growth in the economy mm-hmm. as well, because those queues cost, be it missed connecting flights or missed opportunities, missed meetings. And I think it was the Joint Economic Committee calculated something like five billion yes dollars a year is lost through queuing. Just from a recent personal experience coming back from the EU conference in Hamburg, connecting through Dublin, I connected through Dublin because they had pre-clearance Because of the there. pre-clearance. And to put in a plug for global entry, had I not had global entry, my connection was so tight, I would not have made <laughs> that connection. And it is that kind of <laughs> the quest for frictionless travel. From a travel visa perspective, pre-clearance is one of the important things that we as a kind of travel visa industry have to support the GBTA. And so listeners, if you are interested in supporting Shane and Shane's work in pre-clearance, do get in touch. Stalk me and I'll stalk Shane again and connect the two of you. What I found most interesting during the legislative summit was the power of collective voice, especially when the delegates, I think it was on the third day went to the Hill and spent some time talking to the elected representatives. Is support from the wider travel industry important 
in pushing through advocacy change, particularly around kind of visa policy for our listeners? I believe it is. As we get into many legislative issues, there are always a lot of different voices that are impacted. And if we're able to come together, and we often do, come together and rally around certain items that help improve the processes or the journey, that is a much stronger voice that then is heard by more of the elected officials that then gives it momentum to push those forward with positive results. The co-chairs of the Senate's Travel and Tourism Caucus and members of the Senate Commerce Committee have introduced the Bipartisan Visa Processing Improvement Act. Now, this is to address ongoing delays in processing visas for international visitors and and temporary workers. I think this is something that our listeners are going to find very interesting. Could you explain a little what the proposed act would do? Yeah, it essentially has three main proposals in it. It would require the State Department to set wait times at the areas and take steps for those that aren't consistently meeting their goals to help move those along. The second one is that it would provide the State Department with permanent authority to waive in-person interviews for certain previously vetted and low-risk non-immigrant applications. Again, trying to move these along and help push forward the applications and get rid of some of that backlog. Finally, it would create a pilot program to test video conferencing as an alternative to in-person interviews. There has been a long time discussion around this issue. And I think as we've seen the technology increase and people become more comfortable and understanding video conferencing, you know, this one looks like if the pilot goes well, we'll see how it goes and how that interacts. But oftentimes, you you probably hear it trying to get to that in-person interview from wherever to wherever it's supposed to be can be quite a arduous journey. On our first episode of the Open World podcast, I was joined by our chief strategy officer, Carsten Osberg, and we talked about how some individuals from certain countries are experiencing up to a year um, delay in getting to that point. And I think the, the pandemic proved to us that there are some elements of video conferencing that can really help in the creation of frictionless travel. And here would be, I think that kind of third point would be the real winner um, to get that through. How can people engage in giving the act support? They'll need to navigate the intricacies of the US legislative system, surely. I think probably the easiest way to give support is for those in the US, we will have a pre-written letter asking their members of Congress and senators to support as a co-sponsor of this piece of legislation so they can send and communicate with their elected official. That's a good way to raise raise the issue. So Uh, direct constituent support. Direct constituent support. And then I think if they're, as you mentioned, data is key. Yeah. And if you have examples, if you have stories, if you could let us know so that we can also relay that information to the elected officials and try and move this along. It was introduced in August, and right now the rest of the calendar year is almost to the end. Yep. And then the legislative calendar will be very crowded in the beginning, and so we'll need to 
look for ways that we can creatively move this forward. And part of the advocacy experience is to always be mindful of when hot topics become less hot. And as we hear the jingle bells of Christmas approaching, things do get lost in the sea of eggnog. So let's try and keep that. And I'm directly reaching out to the travel managers who are listening here. If you're a global travel manager and you listen to this podcast, think about the ways in which you can provide information, data and support to the GBTA Legislative Council on this matter, because it is something that would really make a difference. How can organisations help in, such as the Legislative Council, help in making sure the wider travel industry's voice is heard? Part of it is be engaged. Yeah. Far Far too often, even I get sick of the politics <laughs> that, we, <laughs> that we see. But it's important, and there is good work that's being done. And so if you're continue to be educated on the issues that are, that are ongoing, if you see particular issues that are really impacting the business of travel and the travel of business, let us know. So that, yep. that we can take a look at it and get a broader sense of the impact so that we can see if there's something that we should be looking at, if there's something we should be you know, addressing or raising with the different elected officials. That really did come to light in June because we were talking about pre-clearance on the one hand and then sustainable aviation fuel on the other. It really was the whole industry coming together. And I cannot state enough how incredible I found that period of time in DC. It really felt like the industry had come together to create effective change. So thinking about the creation of effective change, what are the three most effective things for advocacy in the travel world? Well, I think part of, again, it goes back to engagement and I, you know, being informed and, and educated on what the different legislative bodies and different governing bodies are proposing and implementing, and then either proactively or reactively coming out and letting us know. But also for those those firms that have public relations shops, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably not focused necessarily on travel issues. They're yeah. probably focused on something that is more in particular to their company. Raise these issues with those people. Yeah. So that, look, this does have impacts on our business and what we're able to do and so that we can broaden the net. So it's yeah. not just it's not just the travel industry, it is the business travel industry and there are so many different types of business travelers out there that if we can broaden that even beyond beyond where we are, I think that's where we will really really start to make those big leaps and bounds and effectively changing how governments view the business travel industry. Absolutely. And I think in the summer of this year at the GBTA conference, it was confirmed that business travel spend is likely to reach 2019 levels about two years prior to then originally anticipated. So for our travel managers who are listening in corporations, this is a cost to the business to make it so to make it as frictionless as possible helps also with cost management. And so that may be something that travel managers can utilize to engage their businesses in getting involved in this debate as well. Everyone always wants to think about the bottom line. So using that as a tool to get some support for what you're doing is, I think, something that you can really do. But it has been a distinct 
distinct pleasure having you join us today on the Open World Podcast. How can people get in touch? Always my email address is sdowney, S-D-O-W-N-E-Y at G-B-T-A dot O-R-G. Do get in touch, listeners, if you're interested in helping the Legislative Advisory Council and the wider government relations work that the GBTA does is inspiring in equal measure, actually. Shane, it's been a pleasure having you join me today. I'd like to thank you for taking the time. I'd also like to thank the the good people back at CIBT who make all of this possible. I basically turn up to talk and have a chat. There is a whole sea of people who really do work around the clock to get this podcast up and running. And finally, I would like to thank you listeners for joining. Safe travels, friends, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.